you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We are in the fifth week of a core value series as we have walked through uh, what it means for us to function as the church and how we have worked to verbalize that in the way that best fits our church as a a culture and in a context. Uh, We are Grace Bible Church and uh, we have taken the word grace, we've made an acronym of that. We lead with generosity. Uh, that's week one for us. And we talk about with generosity that we use our time, our talent, and our treasures to show the world that we really do believe that the Jesus who we worship is better than everything else the world has to offer. Uh, we talk about relationship and that we believe that for those of us who are in relationship with God through Jesus, we be- we truly trust that the scriptures teach that we should be in relationship with one another as well. Uh, We see those relationships best displayed when we gather together in our life groups as we get together with other believers and push one another on towards following Jesus better. And when we look into the idea of A, we look at authenticity and that we would want to be people who are not just in relationship for the sake of relationship, but we see the struggles of those who surround us and we encourage them by loving them and meeting them where they happen to be. We talk about confidence in the gospel for our sea. And that was last Sunday. We believe that God is able to do God things. And only God is able to do God things. Changing those who are sinners into saints and making those who are Christians into people who are more like him. We find that in 1 John 3 and in numerous other texts. Today we look at the concept of excellence and what it means for us to approach the world in which we live with a a vigor and with a hustle if you will to show that we believe believe that God who we worship, um, he has given us a way to interact with the world around us and that we should give our best in all that we do, both personally as and as a church, to show that we believe that Christ is a king who is worthy of all of our work. So we say those things. I want you to go with me, Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to pick up together... We're going to pick up in verse 12, because sometimes I just like to read the Bible. Verse 12, and we're going to go through chapter 4, verse 1. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Pick up with me in verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, 
but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master who is in heaven. One more time, we're going to look at verses 22 through 24. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Excellence, when you look into our Discover Grace information, you'll hear this about that concept. uh, That we invest our energy into worship, work, and the world with great care because we believe that Jesus brings out the very best in those who know him and trust him. When you define the word excellence, it's defined as a possession chiefly of good qualities in an unusual degree, surpassing virtue, merit, worth, and value. To achieve excellence, there must be a discipline and tenacity of purpose. We are to pursue excellence in our walk, work, and our worship. If you look in the the New Testament, the Greek word for excel means to be over and above, to possess in abundance. It is a very unique thing to stand in front of people who are depending upon the grace of God and say that God asks of us to be excellent. When we look to the idea in the scriptures of what it means for us to trust and be confident in the gospel, it means that we do not merit salvation in and of ourselves And today we see the fruit of salvation. Those who are believers in Jesus have been placed in this world with Jesus in mind, hopefully. You are thinking about Jesus as you do what you do and say what you say. Some of my friends in here have heard me tell the story. I was doing a summer camp in North Carolina and in If you are unfamiliar with Southern Baptist life, there are really two places that you would go in the 90s and the 2000s. One of those was Glorietta. If you are a church in Texas, you go to Glorietta to take your kids to summer camp. That's just the thing that you do. It is 2,000 square feet, uh, or, or that's the house. It is this very large place where there is absolutely no humidity. Friends, we know what humidity is in South Texas. It is void of that. The other option would be to take your kids to North Carolina to a place called Ridgecrest. They served ice cream at Ridgecrest at a place called the Nibble Nook, which sounds super weird, but we just go with it. There was a night where I had preached a sermon. As I had finished preaching my sermon, I would walked off the stage and I would regained any type of confidence that I may have, though I thought the sermon had went decently well. And I was in a season of my life where I'm preaching nine summer camps back to back to back. And I get the chance to preach the same sermon every week. So by week six or seven, that sermon should be pretty good. And I'm feeling like it's gone pretty well. And I'm sitting down with my chocolate chip ice cream. And this pastor walks up to me and said, son, can I talk to you? I didn't know that he was old enough to call me his son. 
But I said, sure, I would love to talk to you because by week six or seven, you've heard that you're the best preacher that anyone has ever met. I cannot believe that you are not writing books and starring in shows. I don't know why you're not a televangelist. These are the things that you're talking about. He sat down with me and he opened the notes to his sermon. And he told me the things that he liked about my sermon. And then this man had the audacity to say to me, but, what do you mean but? Your subjects and your verbs do not agree. I said, yes, they does. I was furious. Who is this man to tell me this? After about a week, because I like to sulk, I started to wrestle in my heart with words, with pronunciation. I am not a perfect pronunciator, because that's not even a word. But I did grow convicted that I did not want to be a distraction when I stand in front of anyone. Though there are ums in my sermons, I work to not have those there. There are times when my subject and verbs still do not agree, but I listen to my sermons weekly. The reason for this is not so that I would be the best preacher in the world because you guys are probably thinking great because you are not. The reason is I believe that the gospel is incredibly important and us pushing ourselves towards excellence in any area is beneficial not just to us but to everyone who we come in contact with. There is something in the human heart that pushes against any type of correction that pushes against any type of an offering that would ask you to be better or to give more. We begin to think about the interactions that we have with others, the interactions that we have with people that we purchase things from. I've never ridden an Uber because I'm just being truthful with you. I'm afraid of it. I know that it's old and everyone does it now. I still think someone has an axe or something and I'm not getting in a car with some rando. But I found out the other day that you know that you are able... Has anyone Ubered in the room? Have we? Oh, you guys are so much more proficient than I am. Advanced. You are able to rate your driver. Did you know that? You can give him a four-star or a five-star. We like to rate things in stars now, like it's Mario World. <laughs> Did you know your driver can rate you? The person who you pay to drive you from the hotel to the restaurant has the opportunity to rate their experience with you. Officially. Unofficially, every person that we encounter rates their experience with us. Every person that we spend time with 
has the opportunity to say if this was beneficial or detrimental to them. For followers of Jesus to consistently offer detrimental experiences with to other people, to those who are far from Christ or to those who know him, is a negative reflection of the gospel that we claim. The Bible talks about excellence throughout. You, you can see these concepts consistently in the Old Testament. We see the story of Daniel. You may or may not have heard of him. He had three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel at one point will be thrown into a lion's den. He makes it out. Spoiler. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 3, this is what takes place. There's a new king. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. When Solomon talks about the temple. Here is the reason that he builds the temple in the way that he does. There is background. There is reasoning for it. Second Chronicles chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. Behold, I'm about to build a house in the name of the Lord my God and dedicate it to him for the burning of incense of sweet spices before him and the regular arrangement of the showbread and for burnt offerings morning and evening on the Sabbaths and the new moons and the appointed feasts of the Lord our God as ordained forever for Israel. The house that I am to build will be great for our God is greater than all God's. The reason that Solomon sought to build the temple in the way that he did to the extravagant level that he would build it is because he believed his God to be of greater value than the other gods and he wanted it to be obvious if you encountered the temple that this was built for a magnificent being. For those of us in Christ Jesus in 2019 who we actually are the temple. We as believers in Jesus, we embody the person of Christ. Do we seek to display excellence because our Lord is great? We look into the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So where does all of this start? If we're going to consider what it means for us to have both personal and public displays of excellence, where does this begin? If you're a note taker, here's where we start. We start with the grace of God. So we're in the book of Colossians this morning. We as a church walked through Colossians a a few months ago. As you walk through Colossians, we see that this whole story rests in God expressing himself to us in the person of Jesus. Jesus, his death on the cross, provided a way for us to know who God is and for us to stand in his perfection because we could never stand in our own. We read in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3, this whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here's the reality. We are not perfect and we cannot attain it. Outside of relationship with Jesus, perfection is completely impossible. You will never muster up enough favor with God to make your whatevers matter. 
So all of the things that we do and all of the things that we say and all of the interactions that we have, if we are outside of relationship with God in Christ Jesus, then those whatevers do not matter and they do not have eternal significance. The goal of the Christian, however, is to point to Christ. Because we are not perfect. We say that He is our perfection. And when our lives do that, it serves two tenets of our Christian faith. When we point to the perfection of Christ, it helps us to evangelize. It gives us conversation points and pieces for us to share as to the goodness of Jesus. It also glorifies God. Notice what he says in this verse. Do it all to the glory of God in Christ. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acting in someone's name means you have been given the power and the authority to represent that person. So for every one of us who are in Jesus, every one of us who would claim that we belong to Jesus, have we thought about the weight that comes with us being the people of Jesus. You represent Him, His power, His authority. When we bought our house, it was March 2017. I was unable to make the trip. I sent my wife with a full-scale power of eternity Attorney, eternity, that too. The full-scale power of attorney to represent me. And on every line of that document, she signed my name. And she signed her name. And she wrote a phrase that would solidify that. This passage is pointing out that God has given you and he has given me in this world, in this life, the opportunity to represent Christ because of who Christ has shown himself to be to us. We have been shown by God the person of Jesus. Do we see what it means to represent him in our doings, in our being, in our treatment of people? Again, if, if the people in your life were to rate their experience with you, have you thought about that they are in actuality rating their experience with the person of Jesus? Because you represent him. When you lean in or when you don't. 22. Bond servants. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. The term bondservant is used in the New Testament a lot. When we walk through the book of Colossians, we talk about the unique aspects of the bondservant in antiquity in comparison to what we look at as modern slavery. And there are problems with each, but they are problems from different perspectives. When we read about this in the scriptures, though, we do see that the discussion flows down and there are 
elements of servitude here that relate to every one of us in what we happen to be doing. So we have shifted from us representing Jesus in our personal relationships, in our personal whatevers, to how we represent Jesus in the way that we work. This does translate to every level of human labor. We look and we see what God is saying to us through Paul here. And he's showing us that our work should not be a work that is for the sake of people who see us. Though that's much simpler. If I know you're watching. When we clean the house at my home. There are different levels of work that happen there. There is my wife's level. Which is... Fantastic. As a matter of fact, I had a friend send me a text the other day and he said, there are only two things that cause me to clean my home. Number one is the flu. Number two is your wife coming to visit. Uh, so if you think about me, I'm moving through the house. I'm doing certain things. If hope is there, right beside me, it changes the way that I scrub the toilet. It just does. That's my primary job at the house. I'm a toilet scrubber. It changes the speed by which I fold clothes. What? Oh man, I'm convicted now. Uh, what Paul says here, what Paul points out here, is that there are some among the Colossian, Colossian people possibly who when they do the work that they do it's at a different level based upon who happens to be watching. We as believers in Jesus are not just to work to avoid rebuke. We are not to work just to make sure that we've said we got the job done. What if I hate my job? That's valid. Some people hate their jobs. One pastor says, Excellence is taking every assignment seriously for the glory of God. When we work in a way that shows that we honor God, it shows that we see ourselves as if that job is not our identity. Again, when we work in a way that honors the Lord, it shows that we see ourselves as if that job is not our only identity. We look and we see that the places that we are and the opportunities that we're given and the jobs that we have, they were given to us by God. We are where we are because God put us there. Acts chapter 17 says this, The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needs anything since he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each 28. In him we live and we move and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are indeed his offspring. Your place was determined by God. That does not mean that we try to work or find better jobs or better ourselves. It simply means that for the believer in Jesus, we take into account what God has done by giving 
giving us the opportunities that he gives. By putting us in the places where he has put us. By seeing the things around us as God-given chances to display the glory of God by being hard workers, by pursuing God's glory in those scenarios. Verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men. Work hard. Because the Lord has provided for you in that way. I was on staff at a church for years. And you would have conversations with people who had varying views of what the, uh, what the nature of being a pastor on staff meant. Uh, for some of them, they thought that meant that you... Uh, were subservient to them and that you would just needed to show up if they asked you to show up. If they uh, would snap their fingers, you should be at the door. That was neat. And that's not always the case. That was not... Honestly, that wasn't the case in full. But there were numerous people that we dealt with that concept with. One of these gentlemen said to some of us one day, You do work for us. You realize that we pay your salary. One loudmouthed pastor in the circle. <laughs> who lives in Lake Jackson now. <laughs> replied quickly. You do realize that in your giving... You are giving to the Lord, and the Lord provides for us. Those are different things altogether. When you talk about work, and when we talk about what it means for us to do our work as unto the Lord, ultimately, what that's saying is, if we are followers of Jesus, we show value to the Lord for the opportunity that He gives that we could even provide for our families. Amen. That we could care for our loved ones. That we could generously give to those that we spend time with. Our work becomes worship when we do it as unto the Lord. How often do people see you worshiping at your workplace? Now, I don't mean that you're walking around singing songs. But how often does the person of Jesus get put on display by the way that you treat those you interact with? Amen. How often do the people that you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis see and hear the good news of Jesus from what they see and hear in you? Is there a reflection of Christ in the way that you're treating the people that you come in contact with? Do they see grace from you and mercy in you? Do they see respect in you? Do they see humility there? Because in this room, I know that there are many of us who have bosses and that there are many of us who are. This passage in Colossians is unique. It is unique to much of what is written at, in this point in history, not in the Bible, but in history as a whole. 
Because Paul addresses the worker here. And in chapter 4 verse 1, he doesn't just address the worker. He uses the same concepts to talk about those who were the employers. Those who had control of situations. Those who were in charge of the scenarios. When he says, Master, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So for every person who reads this, for every person who sees this contrast between the worker and the boss, it bleeds into who we are. Because whenever any of us think about what it means to live as Christ Jesus in this world, are we displaying Jesus in our hard work and in our display of a God-given effort to see something accomplished? The other side of the coin, are we caring for those who work for us in a way that we say, say that Jesus is Lord of our lives and because of the way that he is treated and cared for us, we would do the same for those that we spend time with because you are working as, unto the Lord as well. Amen. It's a sacrifice. And as a matter of fact, we are encouraged to think through sacrifice in Romans when Paul says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This idea of a spiritual act of worship is not limited to what takes place when we show up in buildings like this. It extends far beyond that. We know that from the Lord... We have been given our opportunity. We have been given our provision. We see God at work. So how does this work for us as a church? If we're going to look at this as Grace Bible Church and we're going to consider what it means for us to do excellence in our interaction in the public sphere and in our interaction with it as a church, what do we consider? What do we think through? Practical level. We hope to consider the importance when we gather. Lessons for our children, decorating for events. We believe it's vitally important that our members would consider that we are displaying Jesus in all things that we do. That we would care as staff, elders, leadership, that we would care for presenting Jesus well through hard work. When we grow, we are, to, we are open about our imperfections with one another because of the perfection that we have been given in Jesus. When we give, we see that our time, talent, and treasure are an opportunity for us to highlight the excellence of Jesus. And when we go, we go by God's grace because we realize that our place in all of the places that we go are more important than we could ever imagine. Are we taking the message of Jesus in the way that we do our different things? In the way that we treat others. In the way that we show that Christ is Lord over our lives.